you wrote shit talking, then you wrote hello, hello, and welcome back to Catch Up with the Amos Says. Should we get a new like sound effect that we do with our mouths? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, what are some classic, you know, hip hop? Skip. <laughs> I can't think of any hip hop ones. <laughs> Anywho, why don't we have like I, one of my favorite sound effects that you had was that choir. The choir noise in the background. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> That's funny. Welcome to Catch Up with the AMSS. <laughs> so how do we want to start? Welcome, Is this for welcome. Our jingle? Let's let's do some recording. <laughs> Dum, dum. Yeah, this is pretty interesting, isn't it? With the aim assess. Yeah, this is pretty interesting. Test one, two. Aim assess three. Hey, Satch. Hey, we. Well, we're here. We're catching up. Yep. So, shall we find out what's coming up? Then we're, we're doing a roam. It, will we? We, I think, I think we'll do one with one of our book club leaders. Uh, you do live with her. Yes. Uh, yes. So, Yeji's in the house at the moment. Yes. Um, I, I guess we'll just go raid her room in a bit. <laughs> And do a little bit of an interview, do a bit of a plug. And Catelyn's not here, but that's okay. We can have her in spirit. For the book club, by the way. For the book club. Yes, they're the book club leaders. Uh, If you haven't joined the book club yet, please do. It's a great community. We've had some great ads since posting about it on um, the Facebook page, which is really exciting. Like ADD, not AD. Oh, yeah, no, ADD. Like new new members. Welcome all new members. (laughs) Then we're going to head to Ed Corner, where we're reviewing Hypertension. Relevant to all year level. First years, but also every year because it's bread and butter stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Comes up all the time. But before we do that, let's chat through the next things that are happening with the AMSS. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, committee meeting number three on Tuesday the 27th. We're talking Jazz Night Debrief, Vampire Cup, also all of our upcoming events, which we will now also talk about anyway. Mm. But it's going to be a great time. 5.30, everyone's welcome. Do we have any spicy debates coming up? I haven't looked at the agenda. Yeah, I'm not too sure about spicy debates, but I guess you guys will have to You know, you can always bring your own spicy debate, and that's encouraged. <laughs> yeah, like, I think the, the best thing is when everyone participates in the conversations. Mm-hmm. Turn your mic on for all the people zooming in. Mm. It's going to be great. And there's curry. Whoa, we're doing curry. We are doing it's curry. not APH. No, what? Kasusha's done all great things. No, no, I'm just saying like every event in general within the med school we go to is always APH. So I yeah, love but the food's been good I this love year. love that doing other things. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out Next to we have dedicated listener. Yeah, dedicated listener. <laughs> Next we have med footy this Friday. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I get this episode out before this Friday. Yeah. Um, dedicated to mental health awareness. Hugely mm-hmm. important. Very, very important. All of our players will be wearing blue bands. Mm-hmm. We're dedicating the event to those who've ended their life as well as their friends and family. Mm. Make sure you come along, sign up to play. And for those who don't want to play, Medfooties also where our annual sprint happens as well as EMC against Flinders, paramedics, etc. Queen. Other societies. Yeah. Well, um, EMC being the emergency medical challenge. I think everyone's kind of EMC experience starts with Medfooty. Uh, Essentially what it is, is you really have a team of six students, four clins, two preclins, and you go through stations and do first responder scenarios. And it's actually quite impressive and a lot of fun participating in it, either as an SP or as an actual um, participant. So if you haven't joined a team yet, um, maybe try and ask around, see if you can find a society that will take you on because it is a great time. Yeah, um, it's going to be great. Make sure you head along to Medfooty and we're also fundraising. So if you could bring a gold coin as well, that'd be great for mental health research. And then the Friday after we have another thing. 
inter-year debating, one of my favorite events of the entire calendar. Tell it's me about so it. It's so good. Yes. We're going to have debates between some of the year levels, <laughs> half the year levels, like sixth and first, usually second and fifth, third and fourth, as well as a special all-star debate captained by our one and only PK. The rest of the team is going to be revealed soon, but oh. make sure to click going on the event page to stay up to date. Are we allowed to know who the all-star debating team is debating against? No, that will also be revealed because okay. there'll, be, there'll be lots of people that we recognize. So cheeky. It'll be Super great. cheeky. Well, um, for those of you who have never been to debating, it's a great event. It's, Please come along. It's hilarious. It's, it's the funniest I always night have ever. a sore stomach afterwards because <laughs> just from laughing for like cramping. three hours straight. If this is to be your number, your only ab workout of the year, it's going to be a good <laughs> one. You know, this, this tops F45, this is F46. Get in here <laughs> listen to this, these debates because, you know, it's less about your arguments and more about how funny you can be. And it's just a great time. Um, but then the following Friday, packed Fridays, Make sure to keep the 14th of May free for our AMSS trivia night by our gender officers. Mm. And there's more info to come with that. Two other things that we wanted to talk about was Vampire Cup, which is still going. Hui, yes. I saw you donated. I did donate. Yes. Tell us about the experience. So people who haven't donated know what to experience. Yeah. Okay. So I, I donate whole blood. For some reason, my veins cannot tolerate having plasma taken out of them, but that's okay. Um, you go in, you book a time, mm -hmm. uh, you sign up with the AMSS group. So you make sure you do that. Um, they take you through the entire process. It's quite painless. It's mm -hmm. very easy. And after 15 minutes, you're in the cafeteria, you're drinking your chalky milks. And <laughs> you know, that's what my post was about, pitting the chocolate against the coffee milk. I did see four or five people choose coffee, which is the wrong answer, but that's okay. We'll just I agree you. with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Vampire Cup in general is just a great time. And you know, it's great to donate all the time if you can, but at least we're having this single drive that will raise awareness for actually donating. Yeah. And also, you know, it's probably a good environment if you haven't done it before. And I personally am not able to donate blood, but I mean, I'm trying to get someone to, that I can nominate for me so that we can do have a lot of friends that you have not donated yet that you could rope in. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> and right. we, yeah. Recap us on Convention Rego and some exciting updates. Sure. So Convention Rego was a week ago. It was a time. It was <laughs> a time. Oh my God. Um, the Kahoot as well. It was, it was nuts. And unfortunately, our Rego platform actually crashed on the night because of the traffic, which is fine. You know, it's a common occurrence in 2021, <laughs> apparently. The hype is just yeah. too much to handle. It, and it was a lot of fun for us as well. And everyone in the room at the time also had... Um, a great time. And so we have a few tickets left, um, but they're going quick and we're also opening up to Allied Health soon. And I think these might go a bit quicker with our next academic speak reveal. So I'm Can not we? Yeah, well, we might be able to. So the, this reveal might come out by the time I release this podcast. And if it does, and you're listening to me right now, then you might know that our third speaker is... Um, but that, that's super exciting for us. So hopefully you guys do get to know about that information. But now on to Rome. On to Rome! Yeji! Yeji! <laughs> Welcome, Yeji! Do you need to close the door? No, it's no, all right. Hey, Yeji. Hi! Why do we have you on today, Rome? So, you have me on because we are restarting Book Club, which is an initiative that we started last year, and we're looking forward to bringing it back up again and getting everyone to read some books throughout the year. Yay! Oh, and we is Catelyn, along with Yeji. Yes! <laughs> all right, so. We've got a few questions for you. Some controversial, some Something. not. <laughs> All right, so we'll start off with the first one. Okay. What do you prefer, fiction or non-fiction books? That's 
super easy for me. A hundred percent fiction. Really? Yeah. I dabble in some non-fiction, yeah. but like, nah, fiction all the okay, way. Okay, so in your bio on the book club, you said your favorite book was Secret History by mm-hmm. Donatart. Fantastic book. What is your second favorite book? I think my second favorite book is Kafka on the Shore oh my God. by Murakami. Oh my God, yeah, that's so such a classic cute Murakami dream. fan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's your take on audiobooks? I have not read a single audiobook. Really? Whoa! Yeah, what? I know. Um, I should get into it, but I don't know. I just. Do you think people who read audiobooks yeah. aren't reading? <gasps> Controversy! All right, maybe we'll skip that. We're back from Rome. We're back from Rome and we're going to head straight to Ed Corner. Mm, so what are we covering in Ed Corner today? We already said hypertension. Yep. So we're going to go through what it is. We're going to also go through some primary and secondary causes, go through etiology and a bit of physiology, mm-hmm. and then go through diagnosis. And then for... Clean years. For clean years, we'll be going through urgency and emergency, the definitions of those just some basics of management and then management of hypertension overall. Okay, so super relevant. Big juicy hypertension segment. Hopefully it's not too long an episode. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. <laughs> see you on the other side. What's the teaching on this cast? Things you didn't learn in the past. Pass them up to a real doctor. doctor. We forgot to invite a real doctor. It's probably because neither one of us asked. We should probably actually get someone to fact check all this. It's a good rhyme though. Disclaimer time. We're students just like you. The AMSS does not take responsibility for the educational content provided in this podcast. Please do your own reading and learning for the topics that we discuss. Thank, Thank you, you and enjoy, enjoy Ed, Ed Corner. Corner. What do we have? Well, are we doing dead man? Yep. Let's start with the definition. Okay, we. What is blood pressure? Yeah, so blood pressure is exactly what it sounds like. It's the pressure that the blood within your arteries and your veins, your vascular system is exerting on the walls. And we measure that using a blood pressure cuff, which everyone would have seen at MedCamp or in O-Week, for example. Yeah. In terms of hypertension, that is talking about high blood pressure and not just a high blood pressure immediately. We often think about that as a long-term high blood pressure. Now... The tricky thing here is that the grading for hypertension has changed over the years. So traditionally thinking, um, we think about high blood pressure or hypertension as being a systolic of 140 and a diastolic of 90. That has recently changed and now some sources will talk about 130 being the cutoff for hypertension. Just take whatever your lecturers say and whatever you learn in CBL as what you need to know. Yeah, great. So to run through epidemiology, Hypertension is so, so common. What is it a part of, we? Uh, well, we often think about hypertension as being part of metabolic syndrome. Great. Constantly comes up. Constantly comes <laughs> up. And the reason why we th- care about it so much is the conditions within the metabolic syndrome often will lead you to get another syndrome or another condition within that syndrome. So the ones we talk about are, one, hypertension. Mm-hmm. Two. Diabetes. Diabetes. Three, obesity. And for high cholesterol. Sometimes you'll see obstructive sleep apnea in there, but in general, think about those four main ones. Okay. Yeah, and it's good that you've mentioned obstructive sleep apnea because it's something that's really important, impacts all of those conditions, but we don't really talk about it too much. Not a lot. It is getting more popular though. Yeah, which is good. So, yeah. big focus of this case is the etiology. So, should we talk about what primary and secondary is? Yeah, so this is the first thing you will use to categorize your hypertension causes. So what is primary hypertension, Satch, and what is secondary hypertension? So primary hypertension in, is when you've got that high blood pressure occurring 
on its own, usually it's called essential hypertension as well. Um, and secondary hypertension is one that's caused by a clear disease or mechanism that is causing that high blood pressure. Now, it's important to note that we have risk factors for primary hypertension, so things that we'll cover later like alcohol or salt intake, but those aren't direct diseases or causes that will result in high blood pressure. They're yeah. just risk factors. That, that predispose you to it or increase your risk of developing it. Mm. It's also really important to know that primary hypertension is far, far more common. Yes, yes, much, much more common. You, you start to consider the secondary causes when you have someone who's a little bit younger than you'd expect, someone who's getting, their, getting hypertension in their 30s, or, or even younger sometimes. And then yeah. you're, you're wanting to see if there is something else that's causing this hypertension yeah. because it's typically not seen in that age group. Yeah, so it's age groups, but it's also things like if they're not responding to treatments yep, or yep. if they're presenting with certain presentations that could lend you to thinking about secondary causes. So yeah. this is a good segue. Um, <laughs> we're going to do some quick fire cases now about secondary causes of hypertension. We'll just alternate. Okay, sure. So 36-year-old female... Her name is her name Phoebe. Is, her name is Phoebe, yes. And she's been feeling this sudden, since this morning, this sense of impending doom. She's sweating. She's got palpitations. Mm -hmm. She's having some headaches. What, talk me through what you're thinking. Well, when I think about that presentation, there's a lot of things that actually jump out. Good. So you could have anxiety. It could be a heart attack. Um, it could be any number of conditions. But in the context of secondary hypertension, you often hear about a condition called pheochromocytoma. Yeah, okay. great. And so what this is, it's an, it's an adrenal medulla tumor. And what that usually produces is that adrenaline and noradrenaline. And so because of that, it'll increase your sympathetic nervous system response, which is why you see those symptoms that I described before. Exactly right. Next one. Okay. We have a, let's say a 25 year old male uh, with severe asthma and he's come in with central obesity. So mm -hmm. this is obesity around the central area of his abdomen. Uh, also a buffalo hump. So he has a little hump uh, at the back of his neck. He has moon faces. So this is all very <laughs> pathognomonic terms I'm using. The moon face is his face looks a bit wide like a moon. He's also got easy bruising, some striae, so stretch marks, and maybe some um, psychiatric um, presentation. So he might have a little bit depression and insomnia. What are you thinking here? Well, I think what you're describing sounds like there's high levels of cortisol, so Cushing syndrome, but also there's lots of lots of different causes. So we probably have to look into that a little bit further as to what would be causing the Cushing syndrome. Correct. But the concept itself is that you've got high levels of cortisol. Yeah. And cortisol in general, um, at a very basic level, think about it as stress hormone. Yeah. And so when you're stressed, you would naturally expect your blood pressure to increase. What's um, a common What's a common cause out of all the, the multiple causes? I yeah, think? so I mentioned severe asthma before because one of the condition, um, one of the medications you might take in severe asthma are oral steroids and oral steroids can lead to Cushing's syndrome. Um, these aren't the steroids that illegal bodybuilders take. So you don't get big muscles. These are the ones that um, help control your immune system. So you might also see it in autoimmune joint conditions. Yeah, great. All right, on to the next one. Mm-hmm. We've got a, maybe a 30 year old male. He names, his name is Connor. And, um, nice. he, he actually, he said he's like been feeling a little bit off, just had some headaches, bit of muscle weakness. But the big thing was that he's been to the doctors now, he, you know, goes to the doctors every year and they keep finding that he's got high blood pressure and haven't really, 
haven't really been able to find a cause. Yeah. So this is this one gets a bit complex and in the weeds, uh, but one other condition you guys should think about is Conn's syndrome. So Conn's syndrome is all about having too much aldosterone in your body, and we'll cover what aldosterone means later. But sometimes it can present with muscle weakness because aldosterone affects the levels of potassium in your body, and potassium is closely linked to muscle. Yeah, great. Last one. All right, so we have a 22-year-old female. Her name is Ren Arty. <laughs> um, she has a history of some muscle problems in the past, but it's not aldosteronism. Um, you've checked this. And now you're doing a GI exam on her, so a gastrointestinal exam. You're listening to her abdomen with your stethoscope, and you hear some renal bruis. So what are you thinking? There, Ooh, I'm thinking it could be renal artery stenosis, and something that predisposes you to that is fibromuscular dysplasia. Is that mm. the, the muscle things? <laughs> yeah. So renal artery stenosis is exactly what the term sounds like. You have arteries that go to your kidneys, so your renal system, and stenosis means it's narrowing. So naturally, these patients have narrowing of those arteries, and this causes a whole bunch of problems with your um, blood pressure system. Right. All right. So what we're going to do is sneak in a way to approach RAS here, because we talked about aldosterone, so we should talk about how that fits into the physiology. Yeah. So what is RAS? <laughs> RAS is the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. Mm-hmm. So generally in the body, we have a ton of these systems to help keep everything in balance. RAS is the one that helps look at our fluid, our salt, and therefore our blood pressure. So it's not an easy thing to wrap your head around and you will need to do a lot of reading about this. Yeah. The best approach is to, you know, look at different sources. So for example, Amanda has a really good video. Khan Academy has a really good video. Calgary Guide has a really good flow chart. Look at all these things, wrap your head around it. And even like chat about it with each other. Exactly. T- try to teach each other and sort of discussing it to, to help get your head around it. Yeah, but we're going to try and explain it to you today in terms of Avatar The Last Airbender. Water, earth, <laughs> fire, air. Cue the theme music okay long ago no i'm kidding (laughs) so we're gonna start off with what's the first thing you think about in episode one of avatar the last airbender satch ang in the ang in the ice maybe yeah that's that's where he starts that's where it starts right and that's where we start with angiotensinogen is ang (laughs) in tensinogen in the ice (laughs) okay so that's no that's our first thing is ang is in the ice and we need to get him out of that ice okay so what do we have in our body and in the analogy that could help and get out of the ice? Well, we basically need to, the angiotensinogen is sort of like that precursor. So like sitting in the ice, right? And mm, you want correct. to get it, get him out. In this analogy. So in this analogy, I guess Sokka and Katara come along, they break the ice. So that releases Ang season one yeah. <laughs> or angiotensin one. Yeah, correct. <laughs> so, so in, I guess like if we related it to actual medicine for a sec, <laughs> um, the renin would probably be doing that. So yeah. that comes from the kidney. Yeah, correct. And so now we need to convert angiotensin one because it doesn't work. I mean, Ang is pretty useless in season one. So we need him to get stronger to save the world from Fire Lord Ozai. So um, one formative experience I can think of that allows Aang to get strong is gaining Katara as his waterbending master at the end of season one after Yue sacrifices herself to restore the moon spirit. I think we should just have a break and like maybe discuss Avatar. (laughs) (laughs) No, essentially what I'm saying is that we need Aang to get stronger because Angiotensin 1 is quite useless. And so we need to convert him into a stronger version. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, so to recap, 
I've got Renan, so that's Sokka and Katara, who free Angiotensinogen, who's Ang in the ice, into Ang 1, and then you want to convert Ang 1 into Ang 2. So what could do that? We need to make Ang strong and useful. So, <laughs> wait, any ideas? Well, <laughs> this is a stretch. So <laughs> we just need to convert Ang into a stronger version of himself. And so what we use in the body is <laughs> Ang converting enzyme or angiotensin converting enzyme. Okay, and that's ACE. And you'll hear ACE a lot. And most people refer to ACE being found in the lungs, but it is found everywhere. Okay. Yeah. And so we've taken angiotensin converting enzyme and we've converted ANG1 into ANG2 or angiotensin 2. Angiotensin 2 is powerful. He has the avatar state. He's going around saving the world. He can do a lot of things. He's powerful. He's ready to increase the blood pressure of the world and restore balance and harmony to the four nations. I mean, the body. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to recap and bring this back to medicine, the purpose of activating the renin angiotensin aldosterone system is to increase blood pressure the system wants you to have a high blood pressure it's only bad when it's high for too long so remembering that blood pressure is literally just the pressure that the blood is exerting on your vascular system such how could we increase this pressure well if you think about the arteries and the arterioles being like a tube or a balloon, one way would be to constrict that tube. Yeah, perfect. So one of the key mechanisms of angiotensin 2 or ANG2 is to directly constrict the arterioles. So if you have that muscle that constricts, that's mm-hmm. going to cause a higher pressure. Great. And then we probably also increase the volume of fluid because more fluid means more pressure on the vessel walls. <laughs> so how would we do that? Well, ANG2 directly causes salt to be reabsorbed into your kidneys and water follows salt. So water is also reabsorbed. So then you've got your increased blood volume and therefore increased blood pressure. Yep, exactly. So if you have more air in a balloon or if you have more water in a hose, that's going to get more pressure. And we do that by bringing salt back. So the last thing we have is that angiotensin 2 also brings along a friend called aldosterone. So maybe think about aldosterone as like TOF. Um, TOF comes in, she's really powerful, she has a few functions, but the one that's important here is that she helps that process of reabsorbing salt. So once again, we reabsorb salt, water follows salt, that water gets back into our plasma and our blood volume, and so we have more volume in our arterioles, and that's going to exert more blood pressure. So therefore, our blood pressure is higher. Perfect. And then another thing that also happens is you get behavioral activation by increasing thirst. And so you'll drink more water to Mm -hmm. then also help increase the amount of water in your body. Yeah, exactly. Um, One thing that we didn't touch on here is ADH. So antidiuretic hormone or also called vasopressin. This ADH is highly involved within the system. And what it mostly does is help facilitate that reabsorption of water and also constrict the blood vessel. So I recommend looking at that separately as well. Yeah, that's great. And I guess one of the other things that we also could probably go through as well is how that renin comes along. Like what would actually trigger your body to be like, oh, oh no, we need to increase the blood pressure. <laughs> okay, so what's causing Saka and Katara to come to the ice? But okay, so if, I mean, if we think about it, if you've got lower blood pressure, then you've got less. So you've got less blood moving through, then less salt moving through. And then when there's that detection that there's less of the salt that's there, then renin gets activated. Yeah. Pretty much. Perfect. Okay. All right. So we've done DEA of our dead man. We're up to diagnosis. So what is a realistic way to diagnose high blood pressure or just blood pressure? Using a blood pressure cuff. Mm, like you guys have learned. <laughs> So, Satch, can you do? Can you diagnose hypertension just like in one reading in a GP practice? No. So you'd want two readings. Um, 
just like the two numbers that you get in your blood pressure. It's like the rule of twos that we and I might have taught you at the start of the year at MedCamp. Yeah, no one remembers, but that's right. <laughs> um, so you want two readings, but sometimes people can come in and then they can feel stressed or or not even realize that they are and it can increase the blood pressure it can be a bit harder than just saying we're going to do two readings and so we can you talk us through some other ways that yeah. we can look at diagnosing exactly so we we want to make sure this person actually has high blood pressure and there's a couple of ways that we can do that especially if this patient has what's called white coat hypertension so mm-hmm. getting hypertension when they see a white coat or in a doctor's practice um so the two of the common ones that you will see is one having home blood pressure cuff mm-hmm. so a doctor might um help a patient borrow or buy a home blood pressure cuff from the pharmacy and then you'll just monitor that blood pressure hourly for a couple of days and come back with the results there. Another way is something called 24-hour ambulatory blood pressure monitoring. Um, essentially what this is, is a bit more invasive, um, but you're keeping that blood pressure cuff on for 24 hours. Sometimes it's done in like a clinic or a hospital and you're just constantly um, looking at that blood pressure as well. Um, yeah, so great. these are very reliable ways to diagnose hypertension. Great. So if we take those readings thought we could go through a bit of an extension here, kind of relevant to the third years, but also the clin years. Um, what if the readings are super high? So I guess we want to, we can just touch on what happens when you have values um, that are high and the associated signs to look out for, for hypertensive urgency and hypertensive emergency. Yeah. And so to clarify, we're not talking about, you know, like 140 or 150 here. We're talking about snap high blood pressures yeah. that are dangerous to the body because they're so high. And so urgency is the lower one. And that's looking at a blood pressure of 180 over 110 or higher. Great. And we talked about those non, the, sorry, we talked about the affecting your organs. This is usually, you know, causing some organ damage, but it's not acute and organ damage. And so some symptoms that you can see there are things like headache and dizziness, mm-hmm. but it's really important to keep monitoring for the things that we're going to discuss in just one second that come under hypertensive emergency. Yeah. So hypertensive, hypertensive emergency is an emergency. And this is when you start to see that acute and organ damage. And so we're looking at um, readings of 220 over 140 or higher here. Yeah. And so that end organ damage here can look like acute pulmonary edema, acute kidney injury, hypertensive encephalopathy, papilledema, or cerebrovascular hemorrhage. So really the high blood pressure is damaging your organs. Yeah. Anything that requires blood, which is everything in the body, (laughs) is going to be affected by this. Yeah. So we know it's high. What do we do now, Wayne? Well, urgency is not immediately life-threatening, but it is important to bring them to hospital for investigation, um, give them some oral antihypertensive to try and lower that blood pressure and just mm-hmm. monitor for end organ damage. Yeah, great. And emergency, on the other hand, is very life-threatening, as we said. So they need immediate transfer to the hospital and you want blood pressure monitoring with an arterial line, ideally. And you can also give IV antihypertensives. Initial goal is not to drop the blood pressure too much. So you don't want to reduce it by more than 25% within the first two hours. Yeah. Good extension. Okay. Good extension. So let's head to management and we'll go through this more holistically and then have a bit more extension as well. Yeah. So management here is more focused on clean years. So for the first years and preclins listening to this, you often won't need to know about the management of hypertension, but if you're interested, keep listening. All right. So uh, in terms of the management of hypertension, we look at the two main pillars of management. So that being lifestyle and medication. And this is reinforced over and over again in guidelines. And especially in your OSCEs, you want to talk about both lifestyle and medication. So such, lifestyle. So lifestyle will be SNAPVAF, which we talked about in our pilot episode. So if you want to hear more info about what each of the letters stands for, then you can go head over to that. But some specific features that we want to be looking at that can impact on your blood pressure 
blood pressure is salt, which is really important. Salt intake can really affect it. So you want to moderate that alcohol can affect it. And something else that's kind of more of a complex thing, but smoking can increase your readings acutely, but the long-term effects are complex and they're not directly causal. So just important to think about. Yeah. Hui, can you take us through some medications? Sure thing. So once you've talked to your patient about all these lifestyle changes they can make, including exercise, for example, yeah. um, we start to look at medications. So the first thing to know is that in Australia, guidelines don't simply tell you to chuck someone on meds just because they have a BP of 140 or higher. <laughs> it's more based on their overall risk of cardiovascular disease. So what we usually do and what we should do is use the Australian Absolute Cardiovascular Disease Risk calculator so just go to cvdcheck.com.au i believe um, and this looks at a bunch of things like your age your sex your smoking status your cholesterol levels diabetes um, and some ecg readings and you might have seen this before it's like those square the tables that have lots of lots of different colored squares in them and you can line it up and yep so you can either do that or you can go on the website on the actual and use calculator it. as well yeah yep. and so based on a combination of all these factors and your blood pressure, you will then be guided to start or not start a medication first line, okay? Realistically though, in GP land, it's relatively safe to start a patient on a simple medication to help with control. So each patient's different. Mm -hmm. um, so make sure you cater that to the patient in front of you. Yeah, very, very important. So in terms of medications that we often see, the three really key groups of medications to remember is ACE inhibitors or the angio angiotensin receptor blockers. Mm -hmm. So that's the first group beta blockers as the second group and diuretics as the third group. Yep. So why do we often start someone on those ACE inhibitors or the angiotensin receptor blockers? Yeah. So, and this is theoretical, but theoretically speaking, ACE inhibitors and ARBs will work at more spots since they both mm -hmm. affect the fluid reabsorption of the kidneys and they affect the vascular tone. Whereas beta blockers will mostly look at the cardiovascular system and diuretics mm -hmm. are only looking at the renal system. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, and something that you can see sometimes when you start someone on an ACE inhibitor is they'll often say, if the ACE inhibitor is not tolerated, swap to an ARB. So what do we mean by not tolerating the ACE inhibitor? Yeah. So to not tolerating any medication means, um, for some reason you're not able to take that medication. So usually to do with side effects. Mm -hmm. And in the case of angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitors, <laughs> we usually talk about one, a cough. So it's quite a dry cough, so the yep. ACE cough, or two, angioedema. So angioedema is kind of like a swelling that you usually get around the mouth. It's yep. not quite an anaphylactic reaction, but it is troublesome. Yeah. So and that's when ARVs come to the rescue. Yes. Very nice. Okay. So beta blockers, they're pretty good too. They can often also be used as first line as well. What group of patients do we need to be yeah. careful of? So beta blockers will act to decrease your cardiac output in general mm -hmm. via the heart rate. So be careful with, in patients with heart block and some patients with heart failure as well, if you're yeah. doubling up those beta blockers. The right. last one we have is diuretics. So what, what kind of diuretics do we usually use in hypertension search? Well, you typically see thiazide diuretics used here. Yes. Okay. So the first thing we do with medication is we start someone on a single low dose drug. Mm -hmm. But after three months, if that's not cutting it, what do we do? Well, in Australia, our guidelines call for adding a second agent. So it's important that when you pick this agent, it's a drug that acts at a different site. So it's a different class of medication. So yeah. you pick one of the other three pretty much. Exactly. So for example, you might start with an ACE inhibitor and then after three months, blood pressure is still high. We might add a low dose beta blocker on yeah. top of that, but we're not adding a second ACE inhibitor on top no, of that. No, 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 no. Exactly. So let's say another three months goes by. What do we do there? 
Well, then that's when you look at increasing the dose incrementally of the, one of the medications that you've got there. Mm-hmm. And what about another three months? So we're like almost a year of trying medications now. What do we do? Well, you can consider a third class now, but really you're at the point where it's time to get some help and advice from colleagues, um, potentially refer. So depending on what situation you're in and environment you're in. So definitely important to discuss and figure out a plan from there. So there's lots of great guidelines and we'll link those in the show notes, but I would highly suggest looking at the Heart Foundation guidelines for the treatment of hypertension, the 2016 guidelines. Yeah. And other things to consider with medications are what else they're taking, how old they are, which is important, their renal function as well. Um, Specifically with age as well, looking at how much you're dropping the blood pressure is important because if you drop it too much, then it can increase their risk of falls. Yes. And secondarily to that, old people will often have kidneys that aren't working as well. Yeah. Because naturally, as you go older, your kidneys start to drop in function. Mm -hmm. So you need to be careful of acute kidney injury whenever you're starting someone on these medications. Yeah, great. So if someone was on dual therapy mm. with ACE inhibitor and a diuretic, which medication would you not want to give them? I definitely would not give them an NZ. Ding, ding, ding. It's the triple whammy. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you sort of talk us through the triple whammy and what's going on there? Because we do hear about that sure. phrase, but don't really get taught about it. So the triple whammy is all about trying to avoid causing an acute kidney injury. Mm-hmm. And so just to recap, an acute kidney injury is when a patient is unable to form urine, essentially. And so what's happening here is that each drug we're taking, so the ACE inhibitor, the diuretic, and the NSAID are all acting to decrease this filtration. So mm-hmm. first, your ACE inhibitor will cause the efferent arterial to vasodilate. This mm-hmm. is the one after the glomerulus. Yep. The NSAIDs will cause the constriction of the afferent arterial. So this is the one going into the glomerulus. And the diuretics are going to cause you to um, have hypovolemia in general. So what's happening is that you're bypassing the glomerulus with this blood flow. So you have less blood going into the glomerulus. We have too much leaving the glomerulus. Mm -hmm. And we also have low blood volume in general. This all predisposes to acute kidney injury. Great. Really good to go through that. So we finished. Yay. (laughs) Yay. Good case. I mean, so, good, yeah, yeah, such it's just bread and butter, really good revision even. And um, hopefully there's a few key points in there for the clinical students as well. And that's a wrap, really. Mm. Hopefully they give us a hypertensive emergency in EMC so I can... <laughs> Be nice and fresh. <laughs> nice and fresh. Yeah. Um, and as usual, thank you to our major sponsors, Mega, Perks and AMA for your ongoing support. Catch you on the flip side. Bye.